from inside Memorial Stadium. This is the Huskers Radio Network podcast. All Huskers, all the time. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie. Welcome back into the Huskers Radio Network podcast. I'm Jessica Cootie. Since he first got onto the floor with this group, Fred Hoiberg has been telling us how much he likes this team and how much he thought Husker Nation would enjoy watching this basketball team compete. And he's been spot on. It's been so fun to watch this team pick up wins at Creighton and go toe-to-toe with now the number one team in the country in Purdue. There's so much that goes into the efforts we see from the Huskers on game days, including the work done by Director of Strength and Conditioning, Kurt Joseph. It might be a name you've heard if you followed Bryce McGowan's journey to the NBA as Bryce gave a lot of credit to Kurt, helping him preseason and even throughout the season last year, transform his body to be able to compete in the Big Ten and now into the NBA. Coach Joseph is in his second season on Coach Hoiberg's staff, having come from the NBA ranks, an assistant strength and conditioning coach with the Minnesota Timberwolves, the head strength and conditioning coach for Minnesota's G League team. And recently, I had a chance to talk with him about a number of different topics. The backstory of him joining the staff here at Nebraska, that development of Bryce McGowan's. He takes us inside what it's like working for Coach Hoiberg, some of his philosophies and training college student athletes, and much more. Here's my conversation with Kurt Joseph. All right, well, Kurt, we will talk about your background and how you got here and all that, but I can't bury the lead here. How about that atmosphere inside Pinnacle Bank Arena on Saturday? You seem to be having a good time over there on the bench. I really get into the games. I mean, I used to play college basketball. I was a walk-on with Long Island University. Um, we, we won three state championship, three straight NEC championships. Um, and, you know, the max capacity was close to 3,000 people. Wow. So it is much different at the mid-major level in comparison to um, the Power 5 level. So I really get into the games. Well, let's uh, get to know you a little bit better. Your background, you just came from the NBA. You spent some time in the NBA. But how did you get to know Fred Hoiberg and know that you wanted to be a part of his staff here at Nebraska? That's a good question. I... um, so, I, as you said, I, I spent some time in the NBA. I was fortunate to work with um, three separate teams in different capacities, either at the internship level, part-time, um, assistant strength coach, and um, I've had some head experience with the, the G League team. Um, um, overall, uh, after the bubble was done um, with the G League, um, I got a call from Coach Fred, and he was extremely forthcoming about um, his interest in me um, directing um, the strength and conditioning aspect of the team. Um, he gives me free reign and he gives me f- uh, full trust um, as I'm more of a holistic thinker. So it's not just uh, when people hear strength and conditioning coach, they tend to hear uh, he's a weight room guy, he's a fitness trainer, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I definitely approach it um, more holistically. And I think that is what caught his attention the most and um, what he actually agrees with from a coaching philosophy standpoint. So we we ended up hooking up through uh, his relationship with Ryan Saunders. Um, Ryan Saunders was the head coach of the Timberwolves when I was there, when I was an assistant strength coach. Um, And obviously, um, or not obviously, depending upon your basketball knowledge, his father is one of the most influential coaches in the NBA and um, um, and, I, and he played a huge role in defining what Minnesota basketball was and very, very well respected around the league, well respected figure and 
Um, so Ryan Saunders has a lot of social equity. He's a good person. Um, um, he's a better person than he is a basketball coach. And, you know, good people attract good people. And, and Fred is an amazing guy. And um, the way how this game works is, you know, the more you know, the more social equity you have. And the more social equity you have, the more people trust what you say because other people trusted what you say. So we kind of hooked up in a third party well. It wasn't like Fred called me directly. It went through Ryan and then then he called me so well we heard a lot your name a lot last year with Bryce McGowan's but this current team just loves you and raves about the work that they do with you I mean what's been the biggest difference coming from the NBA and training those guys to training guys at the college level man I mean it, that that is such a multivariate question um and if you know anything about me, I'm not going to give you the political answer. I'm going to give you the honest answer. I think, I think it depends upon uh, a lot of variables. Coaching philosophy, um, how much autonomy you have as a strength and conditioning coach, um, your own strength and conditioning philosophy, um, the psychological and emotional threshold of the players you're currently working with, and then the communication between you and the rest of the sports medicine staff, whatever that looks like, um, sports psychology, um, and how that interplays with sports science. So to answer your question, um, it depends. But in my experience, the biggest focus in the NBA was maintenance, um, tracking data to use it to recover. Um, In-season load fluctuation, meaning when to lift heavy, when not to lift heavy, um, when to do power output exercises, when, when to do more recovery-based modalities. And that all depends upon minutes played, um, their perceived exertion, um, their overall loading on the court, um, according to whatever sports science or whatever load monitoring system you're using. Um, how much recovery that they get, what they like to do, personal preference, um, exercise history, injury history. It, it's, it's a lot in the NBA because on average it's a lot of travel. I mean, you have 82 games and on average you travel over 50,000 miles per year. Where in college, <clears throat> you can kind of periodize the program more you can you can focus on specific things a lot more I would say in college you have to teach and cue a lot more um, you have to I don't want to say micromanage but you have to be extremely vigilant to how they move because some some players are are don't have the same exercise history as other players where in the NBA they come in with a specific type of exercise history and you're your predominant goal is keeping them on the court, where in college you can kind of load and periodize how much weight they lift um, in conjunction with how much skill work that they get. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of teaching. Now, I'm not saying that NBA players know everything and that you don't teach them anything and they just you tell them an exercise and they just know it because I've dealt with some pretty green um, players at the NBA level. Um, but that depends upon the variables that I just said about, right? Like exercise history, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So depending upon what the philosophy is of your coach will 
dictate how much coaching you actually do as a strength and conditioning coach. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, that, that's fascinating for sure. So because you have a history with the NBA and we've seen, um, you know, you're, you just talked about what all the different variables are. How much does that help you get guys to buy in and, and a guy like Bryce McGowan's who, hey, I've just been there. I know what it takes. I know what your body needs to be like in order to be able to compete at that level because, let's face it, a lot of these kids that come in, that's their dreams and goals is to get to that level to play professional basketball. So how much does that help these kids buy into to what you want to teach them day in and day out? I think, I think they buy in when they figure out how genuine your energy is um, because genuine energy undergirds passion and then passion undergirds consistency and then consistency um, leads to success and it all starts with genuine energy so yes I do have NBA experience and yes they do buy in more so with me in comparison to other coaches who may or may not have as much experience or experience at all but if my energy wasn't genuine about what I'm talking about, if I wasn't as passionate about it, and if I wasn't as consistent in showing them the exercises and even jumping in the workouts with them, or by the time they walk in the gym, I'm already drenched with sweat because I'm already working out myself, <clears throat> I think all of that plays a significant role in them buying in to what I'm saying. And <clears throat> honestly, Having the experience in the NBA, um, I think um, it, it definitely opens the door in how much they do listen to you. So I'm not trying to say that that's not significant, right? Like right. I've done combines and I've had to analyze hundreds of players. Um, I've sat in those rooms and made decisions throughout the season. And I know what decision fatigue feels like and I understand scheduling in the NBA so I can also speak to that aspect as well as the um, the assessment aspect of, of what certain GMs would ask for um, what teams are looking for how you fit within specific um, teams um, with your talent level or, or in comparison to what your potential of your talent level could be and, and how important that is to specific teams so um, it definitely does help, for sure, for sure. But I, I think for college kids to buy into you, they, they, they want to be able to relate to you as a person. Right. And they want to know that you're human, and they want to know that you care about them overall, not just basketball. I think they want to push themselves harder because I can call them out um, in a respectful way. Um, I am from Brooklyn, New York, so sometimes it comes off a little bit abrasive. However, it's just to get them better and they know that I have true intentions on on, on actualizing their potential. Yeah, so. and I think on that note a little bit is, is Bryce McGowan gets drafted. He could work out anywhere he wants and he wants to come back here and, and work out with you. And I know this program has an open door policy too with Coach Hoiberg of, of getting former players back and they want them around the program. What does that say about, you know, again, just this program and, and that they want guys to be able to come back? And hey, I mean, even um, Isaiah Roby had told me that he didn't even play for Fred Hoiberg and Fred Hoiberg's like, hey, come back anytime you want. I mean, how important is that for a program to have that open door policy for these guys that have gone on and are doing other things? I think coach does a tremendous job in, in being um, not just a, 
uh, an ex and old coach, and you know everybody talks about his genius as far as X and O's. And then when you're a genius in specific things, people tend to try to take the human element out of you. But I think one of the most underestimated parts of him is his personhood and how, um, how, how much he listens to you. I mean, there's been things that I've told him months ago that he'll come back later, months later and say, oh, how is this and how is that? And you don't necessarily know he, he's paying attention to all those things. And I think that's what adds to an open door policy, right? Like it makes players want to come back because it, you didn't just give me transactional energy, like, okay, you play for me and then leave, get out of here. That, that's not how coach operates. Um, and because I'm a part of um, the staff and, and, you know, we have to have uh, the same sound, um, it, it doesn't, it's not forced from my end because I believe in that too, right? Like if you want to come back and get your work in, you're not just working with a NCAA strength and conditioning coach. Not that that's not all you need. You do, you get the, you know, you get the best of both worlds. Like I've, I've played on the collegiate level. Now I'm a strength and conditioning coach on this level, but I also was a strength coach at the NBA level. So I would know, I would be able to streamline training faster because I would, I, I remember when, when I was there, what I was looking for in specific players and the information that I relay to head coach, assistant coach, player development coach, the physical therapist, the, uh, the GM or, or front office. Because um, you have to understand, the faster you get the information is the faster it can dictate what the people with the money do to draft whoever player. So our part in the combine is extremely essential. I mean, sometimes we'll be there with books of information on everybody. And this is what I explained to Bryce um, when he did come back. It was like, they're looking for these specific metrics. And... Um, you know, you have to fully buy into this process. And, and, and it, beyond the basketball portion is you have to show how much you actually love the game, right? Because you only have a short window of playing, you know? Like your lifespan is here, but your playing lifespan is about here. How do you actualize this part of your life the best way you possibly can to set you up for your entire life? And every single rep you do is crucial every single decision you make is crucial and every every way how you uh pour into interpersonal relationships and your own relationship with self is crucial to making it so understanding that and embodying that is two different things and a lot of players understand it but they don't embody it what was it like for you to watch Oh, sorry. Sorry, cut you off. What was it like for you to watch Bryce's transformation? I mean, he gave you a ton of credit and why he was able to put on the weight that he did. And so what, what was your perspective of how he attacked that in season and then what he's been able, how it's been able to translate to what he's doing now in his first year in the NBA? That's a very, some good questions. Some really good questions. <laughs> um, I, uh, the thing about Bryce is he's extremely skilled, he's extremely explosive, but for him to take 82 games, uh, the travel, um, and for him to guard and switch uh, uh, positions in the situations as they present themselves in a game, um, from a 6-2 guard to a 6-9 guard, he has to be not only strong, but he has to have good response time, he has to have mobile uh, hips 
and stable hips at the same time. So training someone in season to get bigger is extremely difficult because off season is, it's much easier. There's less load on the court. There's less, there's no games and you, you know, you have more control of your schedule uh, to, to get off of your feet and for you to eat and recover, which is our sports nutrition department um, plays a huge role in that as well, as I kind of collaborate with them a lot on a lot, um, not just from a macronutrient standpoint, but a micronutrient standpoint. So it can maintain proper metabolic processing, cognitive flexibility, all these things that you need to perform technical tasks on the court, like free throws when you're exhausted or um, making the right reads on defense. So nutrition plays a role in that as well. Um, and him buying in over the summer with all of that led into in season. And I told him like, hey, for you to finish at the rim with contact, you need more, mus you need more mus uh, muscle mass, more lean mass, but you also, you also need more or, or, or mobile tissue as well. So the interplay of when to load him uh, took me some time in the beginning to figure out um, what he reacts with. Because then you have to understand, Bryce was playing the entire game. Right. So it, it wouldn't be the most prudent choice for me to just load him and push him as hard as I possibly can the day before the game because he has a strength and conditioning goal. So um, stratifying the significance of goals is another aspect that is understated and underestimated throughout the year, right? Because he ended up gaining 20 pounds of muscle, but that was over a span from June to May. Right. Uh, so doing it methodically and doing it at the right times uh, is the scientific part, but the artistic part of my job was, okay, we're two days out and he's at 185. Okay, what's his hydration? Um, what's his macronutrient timing? What is he doing? Um, continuously educating him and being a strong voice and being consistent and being a pro. I pushed the, pro, the professional lifestyle on him a lot. Pros are extremely um, gifted in, in, in not only in their consistency with how they establish their routines on the court in the weight room and nutritionally and how they recover, but they're extremely gifted in understanding that they have two ears and one mouth and whatever that they do learn, they have more to learn. And that was a learning process for him. So throughout the year, it was like, okay, you have this goal, but you also have to be uh, potentiated enough to jump high and, and to sprint and change directions without expressing um, as much fatigue as other players. You know what I mean? So it, working on hypertrophy or muscle size um, took a back seat in specific times depending upon game schedule and, and, and all of that. I hope that answers your question. That was a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, for sure, yeah. I mean, I could say here and ask you a million other questions, but we're running out of time here. Last thing I got for you, how much have you enjoyed working with this group specifically? The, uh, coach Hoiberg, every coach that has come in here and, and talked about this group, how much they enjoy going to battle with them and, and working with them day in and day out. So for you and, and your role with this team, how much have you enjoyed this group specifically? I, it's fun. I mean, they're all like, you know, they all call me Uncle Kurt because, you know, <laughs> I tend to I get in there and, you know, we have all these uh, thematic days. Uh, we call it Motown Mondays where, 
You know, I try to teach the younger guys. I can't even believe I'm saying this because I'm 33 years old and now in that weight room, I'm the old guy apparently. So I play Michael Jackson. You're like, oh man, like who is this? And they don't even know what I'm playing. And then, you know, I have like, uh, um, we have Throwback Thursday and West Coast Wednesday. And, you know, we have all these playlists, uh, you know, to represent because, you know, we have a, a vast group of, of players from different uh, regions of the world and I try to play into that and you know these these kids are extremely um, smart and um, you know they practically apply their implicit learning um, you know that they show up early for workouts sometimes 15 to 20 minutes early um, you know I never had an issue with um, extra conditioning with these kids um, you know they generally want to learn they ask a lot of questions the thing that I'm noticing about working with this generation in comparison to grown men is um, grown men in the NBA ask very specific questions in order to win where younger kids tend to ask just millions of questions um, about everything I mean not just strength and conditioning but about women religion spirituality uh, you know what's going on politically you know they they're sponges and you have to remember that you're a second parent to a lot of these kids and right. if you take pride in that you can your messages can help play a indirect role in how you affect change in this world and I know it's just a small message and you're in a weight room and it may be a 30-second exchange with the kid but these kids are sponges and they remember that so everything you say everything that you do and and, and how you act and how you carry yourself is being um, attentively watched and then it becomes mimicked right so you, it, it it's it's a vast responsibility when you think of it like that but it, you, I just tend to take it day by day with these kids and it's been fun you know these kids are these kids are are, are fun to work with for sure Kurt Joseph appreciate your time fascinating conversation thank you thank you so much really appreciate Kurt for his time and giving us his insight just a fascinating conversation i could have asked him a million more questions but uh really do appreciate him giving us his time here on the huskers radio network podcast the huskers will take on kansas state on saturday in kansas city and return home to pba december 20th against queens 6 30 tip off last non-conference game of the season as it will be all in on big 10 play beginning with iowa on december 29th get those tickets to see this team in action huskers.com tickets or give the ticket office a call Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Huskers Radio Network podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and like wherever you listen. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Jessica Cootie with the Huskers Radio Network.